Hey everybody, welcome back into the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast. I am Russ Hodges, that is Anthony North. We appreciate y'all coming in and joining us once again here recording Sunday evening. TCU football picking up a big win over Baylor, bringing home the Blue Bonnet Battle Trophy, Shield, whatever you want to call it. Uh, TCU keeping their bowl hopes alive with one game remaining in the regular season. We will talk about the game, talk about what the Frogs did well and what they can do going into this last game against the Sooners this coming Friday, as we're going to have a bit of a wonky schedule with Thanksgiving coming up. We're not going to be doing our midweek episode this week with the Thanksgiving holiday coming up. So, um, you know, we hope all of you have a fantastic Thanksgiving later this week, get all your black Friday shopping done. And, you know, Anthony, I'll tell you what, I was in DFW over the weekend and had a great trip. Uh, my dad and I flew down to, to DFW on Thursday we had to hit up a couple of the go-to spots on TCU campus, went to the pub for a couple drinks, and we're staying at the Hyatt TCU Hotel, so we had to go up to Lot 12 and check that out. Had the basketball game on Friday, got my uh, $85, $90 jersey here that I'm repping on the episode tonight. We, we caught that game. That was a lot of fun. And then uh, the Baylor game on Saturday was a blast. We did the tailgate uh, out by the baseball parking lot beforehand, and uh, really glad we had the chance to run into each other and talk a little bit during the that? game. And, and I, I know you were enjoying that time with your family. And we had to hit up John's Grill afterward to get some dinner. Uh, had a great burger. And my dad had one of those big, big old turkey legs that they cooked there. Uh, it was also really good. So you know, all in all, just a really, really fun uh, weekend. It was nice to get away. First time in a while uh, that I've been down there. And all in all, it was just a, a great weekend for the Frogs and, and a great weekend for me, too. And excited to get into all of it tonight yeah man you picked a great weekend to come to out to fort worth weather was beautiful and got to see a bunch of great tcu stuff nice to yeah man it was great running into you and and seeing you at the game seeing some uh in real life frogs up frogs of war that's that was uh that was pretty cool yeah it was it was great to be out at the game as a fan too it was fun you know i had like you said had my kids out there um, I don't think I had been into at a TCU football game as just in the stands as a fan since the 2021 season. So uh, it was fun to kind of just be out there and cheer on the frogs. And it was an exciting game to do so. And I have to give a shout out to Liz Marquez too, who's been writing for us for a few months now, been doing a fantastic job. She was working the basketball game Friday night, had a chance to catch up with her during halftime as well been doing a tremendous job for us so uh just a shout out to list there as we get ready to get into our episode today again we have the baylor football game to talk about we have men's basketball coming up we have women's basketball coming up and we have some big 12 football to discuss as we get to the end of the regular season here who's primed for a spot in the conference championship who is on the outside looking and we will take a closer look at all of those things but first we'll get into a couple of our Notes here. This episode is brought to y'all by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Go to charliehustle.com. Use that promo code FROGSOWAR. Get 15% off all TCU items. We also have our exclusive promo code through our partnership with the 1012 Network. If you use the promo code 101215TEN1215, that gets you 15% off any item at charliehustle.com. Check out their TCU items, T-shirts, hoodies, more, all kinds of swag for collegiate professional sports. It's great stuff. CharlieHustle.com. Also, 
I provided an update a week or so ago regarding the Onnit Athlete trading cards. The pre-sale window has closed. The cards are officially live on their website, onnitathlete.com. We've also posted our affiliate link as well as some photos and additional information recently to our Facebook and our Twitter pages if y'all want to go check that out. Uh, it's TCU Football 2023 football team cards, 14 cards per pack. There are signed cards in there, and 33% of all revenue goes to NIL. So I know football season's getting ready to, to wrap up here, but there's still a little bit of time to uh, check that affiliate link out on our Facebook, our Twitter, and our website, frogsofwar.com. Support TCU football, support the athletes, and really excited to, to finally get our hands on those. It's been a, a long time coming. I know we, we've been talking about it for a month or so now, but uh, hopefully those cards will be in our hands here uh, pretty soon. So, you know, let's waste one more time and get right into it. TCU football taking on Baylor, the blue bonnet battle. We joked about it on the last episode, but TCU came out and played a spectacular football game, really dominated the second half, outscored Baylor 28 to seven in the second half, winning the game by final score of 42 to 17. I was sitting up in the south end zone. Anthony, I know you were up there too. And I really enjoyed watching the game from that angle. I really like seeing the field north-south and just seeing how all the, how the players line up and how the players move around the field as opposed to watching the game, you know, from a from an east-west angle. I really enjoyed sitting up there and this is a this is a really fun game to watch. Josh Hoover was fantastic, threw for 412 yards, two touchdown passes. The explosive plays that TCU just hasn't really had this season, there were a lot of them in this game. An 81-yard touchdown pass to Jared Wiley, who had a career-best day, seven catches, 178 yards, two touchdowns, a couple of long touchdown runs by Imani Bailey. Uh, we saw Trey Sanders and Josh Hoover both had short rushing touchdowns in the red zone, and TCU puts up just over 530 yards of total offense to get this win to move to five and six on the season, three and five in the conference with one more game coming up against Oklahoma. That'll be this coming Friday, 11 a.m. kickoff on Fox in Norman with the bowl eligibility on the line for TCU. Got to get that win to get to six and six. But Anthony, take me through this game from your perspective. Um, what did you like about this game and what were your biggest takeaways from this game uh, on Saturday? Yeah, there, there was obviously a lot to like. I think the, the first thing to take away from this game is man, Baylor is terrible. Mm -hmm. That is a really, really bad football team. Um, and TCU did to it what you're supposed to do to bad football teams. Um, they, they bullied them. They, dominated in a lot of ways, put up a lot of points, snuffed out their offense entirely, didn't punt a single time all day, didn't attempt to field goal, you know, put up put up a bunch of touchdowns, six touchdowns. Um and that is it's kind of something we've been waiting to see from this team is look, you should be better than some of these teams. And when you are better than these teams, go out and and put it on the field. So uh, you know, I think there will probably be quite a lot of staff turnover at Baylor in the off season. I, I think right. it will be hard to imagine them coming out of this. I mean, their, their team is 
like sub 100 in all of these statistical categories and even the analytical categories. They're just, it's a really, really bad team. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great to have those big performances, but, um, to put away a team and give no hope of life, even after to open this game. I mean, it was kind of dicey there in the early goings with, uh, you know, the fumble at the goal line on the first drive, the fourth down failure inside the 10 on the second drive. And it's like, man, here we go again. We're stuck in this, you know, clearly TCU is a better team than this other team, but just cannot find a way to get in the end zone. And, um, you know, I, I think there was, there was quite a lot of bemoaning of the offensive play caller and how all of that was shaking out. But I think TCU settled into the game and Josh put the ball into Josh Hoover's hands to uh, allow him to guide this offense. And, and man, he, he was terrific in this one. I mean, what is it like 80 plus percent completion percentage Mm -hmm. and the two touchdowns, the rushing touchdown finally let him, let him take off a little bit. I think I know TCU is very tentative with him right now that uh, in the run game, but um, I think him showing a little bit of that helps and it helps going into, uh, into the Oklahoma game and hopefully going forward of, look, this is something that maybe you have to worry about is him running because uh, we talked about it. The Texas game, the defense had no respect for his run game because they knew TC wasn't going to let him take off. So seeing him get the get the touchdown run um, was big as well. And yeah, Amani Bailey was great. Um, the defense was really great. Didn't get the sacks that I think we kind of were hoping for in this one. Put a lot of pressure on Shapin. Uh, Shaping got loose for a couple runs, but Dom- Dominic Williams had one nice sack, and but there were there were a lot of quarterback hurries and a lot of attack on Shapin. Didn't result in the the stats in the sack column, but uh, made his day not a lot of fun. Uh, but the the secondary was really good. I thought Josh Newton was great. Uh, Mark Perry had one of his best games. I mean, great coverage plays, great tackles. Um, and although again, early in this game, TCU had two pretty bad blown coverages where a a wide receiver got wide open deep and just dropped the ball for Baylor. Um, I, you know, if, if those two catches are made and TCU's trailing by two touchdowns after having failed twice in the red zone, uh, really at the goal line everyone starts getting very, very nervous, but instead it, it all works out. Okay. And, and TCU comes away with the shield. Um, you know, I think we'll see what it means going forward. We'll see how much of a band aid this puts on the, uh, burn it down, uh, part of the fan base of like, Hey, uh, the, the defensive coordinator has to go. The offensive coordinator has to go and, and everything is a disaster. I, I think, I don't know that this fully heals those wounds, but anytime you can beat Baylor, it's a good day. Yeah, this was definitely a get right game for TCU. And, you know, I I hate to pat myself on the back too much, but I know going back to our predictions, I think my prediction for this one was 41 17. And uh, TCU gets me off there by one point, but I, I felt confident that TCU 
with senior day, a lot of players recognized before the game. Some of these seniors, Jared Wiley especially, came out and they balled. They played tremendous throughout this game. And, you know, like you said, I was a little frustrated early on in the first quarter with TCU having some of those red zone struggles. Again, you have Imani Bailey fumbling the ball on that first drive where you get inside the five, and then you have a a third and one, I believe, later in the first quarter where you run the ball up the middle for no gain, and then you try an end-around run with Savion Williams, and you can't get anything on that, and you turn the ball over on downs. Defensively, you're exactly right. There were two or three potential deep pass plays that Baylor just missed on where there were, I don't even know if you'd really call it a, a blown coverage, just guys getting cooked. Uh, Avery Helm, I think it, it happened to him at least one time, but Baylor wasn't able to hit on those plays. And TCU defensively, I thought, really settled in as the game went on. Baylor was only two for six on fourth down conversions, and they were really struggling on third and fourth downs in the second half. I thought Dominic Williams had a great game on the defensive line, had a sack, was getting some good push. I thought Jamoy Hodge had a nice game, and Baylor just wasn't able to make those big plays in the passing game. It felt like everything had to be kind of perfect for them in order to move the ball. And then for, for TCU offensively, they put the game in Josh Hoover's hands and he had a fantastic performance. I mean, he was throwing all over the field, picking up chunks and chunks of yardage. Jalen Robinson had a couple chunk plays. Savion Williams had a nice grab deep down the field. Jared Wiley was spectacular. I mean, the, the way he was able to run open over the middle of the field, those two touchdowns that he scored on, it almost looked like the same play, just like a seam route. He runs, you know, lines up in the slot, runs up the middle of the field, and he just breaks wide open. No one's Nobody there follows him, yeah. Josh Hoover throws a good ball, and, I mean, Jared Wiley was moving on that 81-yard touchdown, and Savion Williams, too, had a really nice uh, – just a block where he cuts off the defender chasing after Wiley, and he's able to just go untouched all the way to the end zone. And that's the, the longest – play from scrimmage for the TCU offense this season and really happy for Jared Wiley. He's been a, a really integral part of this team and this offense over the last two years. And it, it, it's a little unfortunate that I, I think he hasn't gotten enough usage in this offense. I feel like there are games where he's really stepped up and, and shown that he can be that guy, that dependable set of hands over the middle of the field and that big target in the end zone. And, I think his usage has just kind of come and gone over the last couple of years, but he's been a real asset for the offense and it's going to definitely hurt to lose him after this season. But Josh Hoover, he made great throws all game and he didn't really make any throws either that I would deem to be high risk or a ball that maybe should have been intercepted. He was making great reads throughout the game and it's the second time this year he's gone over 400 yards passing in the game and you know the run game for TCU I'm still really frustrated with where it's at right now they tried to run the ball up the middle it wasn't working I'll give the frogs some credit though because they it wasn't working early on but they still kept trying they tried to get the run game going and eventually Amani Bailey was able to bounce a couple of those runs outside and that's where he's really been effective this year I believe against um Texas Tech, he had a similar run play where nothing's available in the middle. He bounces it outside. He's quick enough to get out there. He's elusive. And 
as soon as he gets in space, he just turns on the on the burners and he's gone. So I was really happy to see him be able to create in some of those situations where the run blocking just wasn't there up front. And the offensive line, I thought, pass protected extremely well in this game. And Sonny Dykes made those comments after the game as well about how well they did in pass protection. I don't know if Josh Hoover was sacked in this game, maybe one time, but he had a lot of time to throw. He had clean. It was very similar to the BYU game. He had a clean pocket throughout the game and was just slicing and dicing the Baylor defense. And, you know, his numbers in this game were very similar to his numbers from the BYU game. So Josh Hoover took a big step forward for me. I think we talked about his standing on this football team going forward. Is he your quarterback in the foreseeable future? I think so. I think he showed once again in this game why he's capable of being that guy. I think he has all the arm talent. He showed the ability to run in this game. I think that play where he picked up 20 yards on the ground, I was watching from the south end zone, and I think TCU had four or five wide, and the the box was wide open. I'm just thinking to myself, if they call the quarterback draw here, they're going to pick up big yardage. And Josh Hoover tucks the ball and runs and gets in and gets TCU deep inside the run zone, and then he scores on, a I think, a read option where he kept it and just bounced it right outside for a touchdown. So um, they talked after the game about how the the game for Hoover, he said it's starting to slow down for him a little bit, which is really encouraging to hear from someone who is going to need to get more and more game reps and is going to need that time and that experience, but really happy with how he played. And I, I really think he's going to be your guy moving forward. Some of those mistakes that we've seen from him this season are, very coachable. Those are things that you can work through. And I, I really like where Josh Hoover is at right now. And he was a big reason why TCU was able to pull away in this game. Yeah, with Hoover, I think you're right that he's probably solidified himself uh, in a in a solid way going forward as TCU's quarterback of the future, at least of the near future, um, going into next season. And and yeah, maybe it's looking ahead a little too much, but seeing transfer portal stuff is going to start picking up here uh, in the next couple weeks, and it's it's going to get pretty crazy out there. And it'll be just kind of interesting to think in in our minds of like as some of these kind of bigger names start coming out into the portal of like, would that guy really be an upgrade? Like I saw today, um, Texas Tech's Tyler Shuck is hitting the transfer portal as a grad transfer. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the first thing you think is like, ah, is it, you know, if TCU were to bring him in, would that be a good thing? And, you know, I, I don't think he comes in and does anything better than Josh Hoover. And so it's going to be interesting to kind of see where TCU plays in the transfer portal. Um, you know, kind of what happens with Chandler Morris? Does he try to find himself a new home as well? Um, or does he stick it out and, and, see what happens with his future in Fort Worth. I don't know. I think there's there's a lot of big personnel questions that are coming down the line and that's that's for a future episode, I guess. But um just a couple two other guys I want to shout out who had I, I think really great games. One is Shadrach Banks, uh linebacker, yeah. the 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 Baylor killer uh who two years ago had the interception that ended Baylor's playoffs hopes in Fort Worth. And this game, he was just 
doing his job. So, you know, nothing like super spectacular. He didn't have a play like that. That's a, a standout play that he's doing a backflip after. But it, he just had, he led the team in tackles. He was making the stop that set up the play or or forced a punt or forced a third and long. And I I thought he had a really, really strong game. And that was encouraging to see. I think, you know, he's had games like that throughout his few years here with TCU and and uh for him to put that on I was impressed with him the other was JP Richardson I think he got overshadowed by Wiley's day and you know has been kind of overshadowed throughout this season of oh uh you know Savion Williams has a big game or you know this Wiley game I I think he uh, again just kind of went out and did his job still had six catches on seven targets um uh, several for first downs. The, there was one that I think you said Hoover maybe had no bad throws. I think there was one that was like a little bit like, oh, oh, don't throw that one, where uh, <laughs> Richardson was kind of crossing across the middle and there might have been a, a linebacker or safety kind of converging on him. And uh, Richardson just made the play. And so it, it kind of no harm, no foul, uh, where you know, sometimes throughout uh, this, uh, throughout Hoover's time, those, the receiver hasn't been there to make that play. Um, And so, you know, I just wanted to shout those two guys out as, as having big games, contributing maybe a little bit quietly in the background to, to giving TCU this win. Yeah. Shadrick Banks is a player. I really hope he sticks around next season because I think he would be a perfect fit as a middle linebacker. He tackles very well. He's been really good in the middle of TCU's defense when he's had the opportunities. And uh, Jamoy Hodge was one of the several players that participated in the senior day ceremony before the game. So uh, I know a couple other guys, Mark Perry participated, Josh Newton. Uh, Offensive line, you had four of your five starters participate with Andrew Coker, Brandon Coleman, Willis Patrick, and John Land. So you're probably going to see all four of those guys off the roster after this year. And that's tough. You know, we're, we're still a little ways away from the, you know, season recap, early 2024 preview type stuff as far as positions go. But, um, you know, I was happy to see some of these guys, you know, Andrew Coker, Brandon Coleman, they both played well in this game. And those guys have been really valuable to this program over the last few years, especially Brandon Coleman. I feel like he's a player that's, grown so much and has been so versatile you know not not the same caliber player as Steve Avila but a really versatile player he filled in at guard he filled in at tackle and wherever he's played on that line he's done a really nice job so um it's going to be tough to see some of these seniors go that have made big impacts on the program not only this year but over the last few years but we still have a little bit of football left in this 2023 season as TCU is going to take its five and six record into Norman this coming Friday. Again, 11 a.m. kickoff on Fox day after Thanksgiving. And TCU is certainly not going to be favored to win this game, but a storyline. 11 point emerged, underdogs. Yep. A storyline, though, that emerged is Dylan Gabriel's health. And as we know, last season, Dylan Gabriel suffered an injury during the game against TCU. And that was really the straw that broke the camel's back for the Sooners in that one as Davis Bevel came in and was just awful. But Gabriel getting injured 
on the road against BYU and the Sooners escape what was actually a pretty competitive game in Provo. The final score was uh, 31 to 24. We'll get into some of the other Big 12 scores from Week 12 here in a little bit, but the health of Dylan Gabriel is going to be a story coming into this TCU game. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Will we see Jackson Arnold, who's the highly touted freshman quarterback? We've seen TCU get torched by Oklahoma freshmen in the past, like Caleb Williams. But I, I don't know why, Anthony. We talked about this, you know, briefly before we started recording. I feel good about this game for some reason. Maybe much better than I should. But how do you see TCU matching up with this Oklahoma team that has? kind of struggled over the last few weeks after really starting the season off on a on a very high note. Yeah, it feels like the Sooners have been sleepwalking through this end of the season a little bit. Um, I don't know if they felt like they would just kind of storm over some of these teams or, you know, they uh, take the Bedlam loss and it it changes what your season means going forward. But, you know, they were uh, very impressive in that Red River game. But really since then, I don't know, it, it hasn't felt like they've been this dominant team. I mean, they barely escape UCF, barely escape Kansas. They get beat by Oklahoma State. They barely escape BYU. So, uh, you know, in there, they've got a blowout of West Virginia as well. But um, it feels like they've been walking the tightrope and... Maybe it's this Dylan Gabriel injury that pushes them off the edge. I, I'm not sure because Jackson Arnold is is a stud. I mean, this this guy is is going to be a future superstar in college football. So, you know, I I don't think it's anything near like uh, forcing Bevel or any of the general booty or, or somebody like that coming in, they they're going to be okay, whether it's Gabriel or if it's uh, Arnold. So I, I don't think that's the thing that makes it happen. And in fact, I mean, Arnold might kickstart something, light a fire under him in a way that they haven't really had the last few weeks. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with you that there's, there's just something kind of sleepy about this game. 11 a.m., uh, on on Black Friday, it's uh, you know it's going to be an early morning after you've had all of your your Thanksgiving celebrations. Maybe you're up early doing Black Friday shopping or something, and oh right, there's a football game coming up. Um, you know, now in Norman, Oklahoma, does anyone think like that? No, though I'm sure there'll be a hundred thousand people out there, and it'll be it'll be rocking. They have still have a, a pretty good chance of making the Big 12 championship game. So still a, a lot to play for there uh, for the Sooners. But I, I think TCU getting this win this week, allowing this final game in Norman to be not just to send off of the Sooners into the SEC, but also with bowl eligibility on the line, there's I feel like there's a renewed motivation for the frogs that maybe we haven't seen uh, previously. So I, I'm I'm with you. I think the game is it has a chance to get kind of interesting. I, I think it's clear Oklahoma has you know more talent. They're gonna all your stars matter, people, and and your your talent composite and all of that. Yeah, we we get it. Um, 
but I don't know. I, I think I think TCU has a fighting chance for sure. And thinking about the last few times TCU has played Oklahoma and Norman, I think back to a couple of years ago where Quentin Johnston has his big breakout game and gets featured on the SC top 10 for his awesome catch back in, I think it was 2021. And then um, 2019, I believe it was when Jalen Hurts was intercepted near the end zone. And I still remember that iconic photo that was shared all over social media of it was Vernon Scott who had the interception, mm-hmm. but running right alongside him were Trayvon Merrig and our Darius Washington. And I believe that ball was brought all the way back for a, a touchdown. But the, just to see those three guys, NFL guy, NFL guy, NFL guy, make that big play against Oklahoma and a really good quarterback in Jalen Hurts. TCU has had a habit of sticking around in some of these games against Oklahoma, particularly in Norman. Shoot, I think you could probably go back to 20, 2017 or earlier when uh, Cavante Turpin, I believe, had a huge play to bring TCU within one score. I might be thinking all the yeah, way back the, to 2020. You might be thinking of the 15 game. I think the 15 game was TCU went for two and yep. didn't get it. Um, yeah. with the chance to win the game at the end. Yeah, had, had scored and went for two to win the game and ended up not getting it. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think I think TCU is going to keep this competitive. Again, just seeing how Oklahoma has played the last few weeks and knowing that TCU has had a history of going into Norman and at least being competitive. Now, have they been able to go in and win in Norman? Well, that's a different story. And I think for, for TCU you're going to have to play a near perfect game in order to knock off Oklahoma and Norman. And I think offensively Josh Hoover has shown that he can have big games. He's had multiple big games. I still think you're going to have to be able to establish the run and you're going to have to be able to, to move that line of scrimmage and have some balance in order to keep that Oklahoma defense off kilter. And then, defensively for TCU, I feel like we've had some of these moments over the last few weeks where there are guys who have had opportunities to make big, big plays and maybe a a DB just drops an interception or you think that a guy's going to jump around and he's just, he's just this close and just can't quite snatch it. And, you know, in the case of Nook Bradford, he intercepts the pass and then fumbles it away. I I think TCU is going to have to make, some of those plays in this game, whether it's Dylan Gabriel or Jackson Arnold, they're going to have to force some turnovers. And, and I'm, I'm talking maybe two or three turnovers in this game to, to come away with a win. Those are going to be my biggest keys going into the, the matchup on Friday. Anthony, when you look at this matchup, what are you going to be watching out for and how does TCU keep this season alive and come away with a win on Friday? Yeah, I think it's really tough. I mean, statistically, Oklahoma is at the top of the list in the conference and everything. Top in scoring offense, top three in scoring defense, uh, top in passing offense. Um, So I, I guess it'll be interesting to see what the Dylan Gabriel situation, how that shakes out. But yeah, I mean, the, the key will be, can you not avoid the play that loses you the game for TCU. I think in the Texas game, 
TCU had probably two plays that if those two plays flip, maybe three plays, three plays that if the three plays flip, you win the game. Um, the interception that is then fumbled, the uh, one minute left in the half, you throw an interception and it turns into a, a Texas touchdown. And then the uh, third and 12, uh, Ewers tosses it up and just floats one to a Donnie Mitchell and he catches it. If really, if one of those plays goes the other way, TCU probably comes away with that win. Does TCU avoid that negative play where they fall on the right side of the coin for once this season? TCU in one score games is 0-4. And these are games that probably could have, should have been won. And that... TCU consistently finds the way uh, to drop the the peanut butter bread, <laughs> peanut butter down. Uh, you know, we're not we're not getting this right yet. Do you get it right in this game? Um, you know, I think it's it's going to be really tough though because it, like you said, it has to be perfect. You you can't once have that that dropped interception. You can't like in this game against Baylor. I mean, you can't be fumbling from the one yard line. You can't be failing to find your way into the end zone in these red zone trips. Um, not only do those need to result in points, they need to result in touchdowns. So I, I think that TCU has shown that ability to get right there. Can they make that next step to actually make it happen? Uh, I, I think, I think, there's a chance. Well, that's that's why they play the games. You know, I think TCU will be. I, I've already seen this line has jumped from eleven to thirteen. So maybe there's been some news on Dylan Gabriel since we've been talking. I don't know, but um, there's going to be pretty heavy uh, support for the Sooners. And uh, let all the season across nationally, not just the Big Twelve, but there's been pretty much no chaos all that there's a whole bunch of undefeated teams a bunch of one loss teams and it's coming down to this last week and will there be chaos and i think tcu can get some of that chaos started on friday with with a win over oklahoma hey you said they're zero and four in one score games this year so they are certainly well overdue to finally get one of those nailed down and we will ultimately see what happens when TCU hits the road and takes on the Sooners Friday, and hopefully we will see some of that chaos created by the Frogs as they try to get to a bowl game and avoid not reaching a bowl game one year after making it to the national championship. If that were to happen, TCU would be the first team since 2010 when Texas did that. So do not want to be in that company so we will see what happens this coming week as we'll take a quick look here at what happened in the Big 12 over the weekend. Oklahoma, as we just said, took down BYU 31 to 24 on the road. West Virginia with a healthy win over Cincinnati 42 to 21. Oklahoma State was in a little bit of trouble early on against Houston. The defense did not play very well for the Cowboys in this one, but Ollie Gordon had another fantastic game and Alan Bowman throws for over 300 yards as the Cowboys are able to come back and win over the Cougars 43 to 30, the final score there in a little bit of a shootout. UCF, Texas Tech, this is a game that went all the way down to the wire and the Red Raiders emerge with a one point victory. 
24 to 23. A little upset about that one. I picked UCF in our uh, Frogs of War roundtable pool. So a little salty about losing that one, especially with it being to Texas Tech. But uh, one win, a one point win there for the Red Raiders. Kansas State, Kansas. This was one of the big games in the conference this weekend. Uh, the Wildcats escaping with a win 31 to 27 to stay in the hunt for one of those two spots in the Big 12 championship game. And then Texas, Iowa State. I thought Iowa State really battled in this one. And and this was a low-scoring game. They were playing it in Ames. I thought it was looking like Iowa State might be able to pull this one out. But a couple big plays by Texas. Uh, Quinn Ewers had a couple big throws late in this one. And the Longhorns are able to survive the Cyclones in Ames 26-16. And so looking at the current conference standings as we get ready for week 13. We don't have all the matchups here, but we do have the standings for the teams in the conference. Texas, of course, is at the top, the only team in the conference with one loss. They are seven and one. But here's where things get interesting because you only have one other spot in in the conference championship game. You have three teams that are six and two, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State. And then you have three more teams that are five and three, West Virginia, Iowa State, and Texas Tech. So you know, a Texas win would severely diminish the amount of drama in the Big 12. But should Texas lose and should most of or all of these teams win some of these other teams, it might get a little crazy here in the Big 12 as we get ready to go into December. So, Anthony, what are your thoughts on just where the conference stands right now? And uh, has your opinion on who's going to make this conference championship game wavered at all over the last week or so? Uh, well, it's wavered a little bit because I've been heavy. Oklahoma is going to win the conference and that's, that's been my stance all season. And I think there's a chance, but at this point it's getting quite slim, mostly because if Oklahoma state wins at home over BYU, it's over. Um, it will, that, I think that pretty much ends it. Um, I guess that is also assuming a Texas win because there is a world where Texas loses and ends up in a tiebreaker with Oklahoma and Oklahoma has the head to head. So it's, it's possible we get a bedlam rematch in, uh, in Arlington, but I think it's trending to the most likely outcome here is Texas at home against Texas tech should handle their business there. Oklahoma State at home against BYU should handle their business. And that's the end of it. Um, so again, there hasn't been all that much drama, uh, crazy chaos. Maybe Texas Tech throws the, the big chaos there by taking down the Longhorns. That would be something. Um, the other thing in in the Big 12 that I found was interesting this last week, I guess, uh, Kansas hanging with Kansas State with a a third string quarterback, you mm-hmm. know I think uh, it's getting to where I have to believe that Lance Leipold is one of the top choices at some of these other jobs around the country. Um, I think that I, it's there's been some rumblings about Texas A and M for him, which I think you know there there a lot of these jobs are probably not really 
better jobs at this point for him than the Kansas job is. But Texas A&M, I mean, they're going to throw him so much money, you, you kind of would be irresponsible to turn it down. So I think if that happens, the other thing that happened this week with Kansas is Jalen Daniels came out with a big, strong statement that he would be returning to school and returning to Kansas. Um, but in that statement, it's it's quite clearly said that he's here with Coach Leipold to build this program together. Well, if if the coach leaves, it, are we talking about Texas A&M quarterback Jalen Daniels? Um, I think that Kansas program has made such a leap from the depths of, you know, one of the worst power five teams programs in the country to where it is today. It's been pretty incredible to see that growth. And I, I think that it's the kind of thing where if this coaching staff leaves, are they able to re-pick up the pieces and build it back again? I think it would be very tough. So again, this is kind of looking ahead into off-season stuff, but it's it's kind of where we are with some of these teams that the off-season is kind of the next important thing that's happening. And we're already getting these transfer portal notices, these re-commitment videos. Um, so I thought, I thought I, you know, I think that's going to be a big, big story going into the new big 12 next year is where are these coaches and how, how do these coaching staffs move around? Because, you know, are we going to have a new head coach in Houston? Are we going to have a new head coach in West Virginia? Are we, uh, does Jed fish at Arizona take a new job? Um, you know, so I think that it'll be fun to look forward to, but, uh, for this weekend, looking ahead, I'm kind of hoping for some chaos, particularly on Friday. Let's have the Horn Frogs bring some chaos, have the Red Raiders bring some chaos, and see where the pieces fall. Absolutely. I'm rooting for some chaos as well. And y'all can continue to follow us here on the Frogs Up podcast, as well as our website, frogsofwar.com, where we recap all of the Big 12 football results from a week-to-week basis. Again, our writer, Austin McGee, has done an awesome job covering the Big 12 football teams this year. So with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our football discussion for this Sunday evening and transition to some basketball stuff. I was really excited to get out to the game on Friday. The men's team took on Mississippi Valley State. Tickets were pretty cheap for this one. We got really nice seats in the 100 level section. And it was my first game uh, for TCU and probably four years or so. So I was really excited to get down there with my dad and watch this game on Friday. And TCU cruised in this one. It was Mississippi Valley State. TCU favored by 40 and a half. And although the Frogs did not cover, it looked like they were about to cover late in the second half, but they gave up a couple of bunnies and ultimately win the game, though, 86 to 52, improving to 4-0 in non-conference play. A little bit of a slow start for TCU in this one, like some of these other non-conference games they played didn't really shoot the ball particularly well early on, but the defense was smothering for TCU in this game. They forced a lot of turnovers and they scored 43 fast break points, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Jamie Dixon talked after the game about how that number is sort of unprecedented for his teams. And we know that Jamie Dixon teams are going to play defense. They're going to want to get out and, 
in transition, but 43 fast break points. And really it probably could have been even more than that because there were a few instances in this game where TCU was able to get out on the run and just had a couple of sloppy turnovers with ball handling and trying to get crazy with some alley-oops and other uh, fancy passes. But, you know, it's a, a kind of game where you can try and let loose a little bit, especially in the second half. Emmanuel Miller was really solid for TCU in this one. He was the player of the game. Jameer Nelson was also great. He was beating guys off the dribble essentially whenever he wanted. I really like Trey Tennyson. I was really eager to see him up close because I think he's TCU's best three-point shooter by far. He just has a really nice shooting stroke and he had he had some big shots that he made in this game. Uh, Ernest Uday continues to rebound the ball really well. TCU is continuing to rotate those three big guys between Uday and Cork and Mostafa. I think they they all do certain things uh, differently. You know, Uday I, I think is probably the best rebounder out of that three, but I think Mustafa has more of a refined low post game and Cork is a really good rim roller. So they all have complementary skills that I think uh, compiled together work really well. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jamie Dixon continues to rotate all three of those guys over the remainder of this non-conference schedule. But uh, all in all, it was a really good win for, for TCU. And I was excited to get out there and, and watch that game. And the, the Frogs will look to go 5-0 and uh, Tuesday. They'll have another home game against Alcorn State, another non-conference game. So really good stuff for TCU, just continuing to cruise in some of these non-conference games and haven't really had any hiccups yet like we had last season. So that's always a plus, too. Yes. Again, a reminder that Mississippi Valley State went into the game as the very last place ranked team in Ken Palm. So, yes, great to get a big win. And and yeah, man, they they almost had the off the backboard uh, alley-oop pass, but couldn't yep. convert that one. Yeah, they, they, they were having a little bit of fun out there, which is is good to see. And and. You know, I thought Chuck O'Bannon had a good game as well. Um, I, I, it's just this team has a lot of players who can come in and play. I think, you know, going every play, every scholarship player, I would say, is a is a dude who can play, who can come in and give you minutes that are are a contribution. And you know, I, I don't know that that most teams in the country that's that's really not the case. So I getting them a lot of run here in the early going has, has been a plus and yeah, TCU should continue to uh, push forward that way through at least the end of this month. Yeah. You're exactly right about some of these players that could come in and be impact guys right away. I know Jamie Dixon after this game talked about how he doesn't really refer to some of these bench players as bench players, because you look at someone like Avery Anderson, who was a, I believe, he started a, a lot of games. starter at Oklahoma yeah. State. Yeah, and, and he came in. I thought he played really well in this one too. He played really good defense and made some nice passes. But he's a a veteran starter that's coming in and coming off the bench. You have Trey Tennyson, who was a starter at Texas A and M Corpus Christi. He's coming off the bench now. Uh, Mustafa was a two or three year starter at Coastal Carolina, and he's coming off your bench. So there's a lot of 
experience on this team. And I think that's going to really work in TCU's favor as they get closer and closer to the Big 12 schedule. And uh, the TCU women's team also picked up a big win in non-conference. Earlier today, the Maggie Dixon Classic was held at Shulmire Arena, TCU taking on Army and remaining undefeated, moving to 5-0. and Final score, 88-51. to Sedona Prince, again, was a monster in this one for TCU. 33 points, a new season high for her to go along with 16 rebounds, which I think might be a season high for her as well. She's had four double-doubles in five games. And the one game where she didn't have a double-double, she scored 24, 26 points, I believe. So she's been a a one-woman wrecking crew for TCU so far. And Madison Connor. Really good complimentary offense in this game. 24 points, 9 assists. Jaden Owens, the point guard. Baylor transfer also had 9 assists to go along with 12 points. Agnes Emma Nopu, the Stanford transfer. TCU's best perimeter defender so far. She had 3 steals in this game, 4 blocks. TCU shoots 51% from the field, 41% from 3-point range, forced 18 turnovers, and had 24 assists as a team to go along with 40 points in the paint. So TCU really had its way with army today to get to five and oh TCU will have some tournament action. I believe coming up, taking on UTEP Thursday in the St. Pete showcase, which I think is in St. Pete, Florida. We'll have to double check that here in a little bit, but um, a, a really good win for TCU. Again, very few hiccups from this team over this early going and non-conference play. And the the five players that have come in from five different schools have really gelled well over these first few games. And a shout out to Mark Campbell as well. The head coach is the first coach in school history to start his tenure with a 5-0 and record. So congratulations to him and his staff and just getting another big win uh, here earlier today. Yeah, this was a really fun game. I got to go out there into Schulmeyer and and take in this game with my kids. Um and and it's just there's something about man, the the intensity out there. There's something about watching the game live that you you miss and and maybe it's particular to watching the women's game because you watch it on TV and it's clearly different than the men's game. There's, there's just a, it's a different style of basketball, but man in the building, I don't know how anybody is supposed to stop Sedona Prince. I mean, maybe just this army team didn't have the the body types who could even hang with her, but she's so much taller, so much stronger, so much more skilled uh, than everyone on the floor. There's just, you know, I think there are a lot of um, terrible talking heads people nationally who talk about, oh, there's like high school teams who could beat uh, WNBA champions. Like, get out of here with that. It's it's complete nonsense. You see these you see these players out there, man. Sedona Prince is a crazy good basketball player. Madison Connor is a crazy good basketball player. Jaden Owens, insanely good basketball player. These these are it's a high, high level of basketball and uh, you know, they're playing great defense. They are rebounding out of their mind and they're, they're shooting the lights out. I mean uh, it's just, it's exciting to see this team put on a show like this. And I really do hope that it continues. And this isn't just kind of a symptom of 
what may be lackluster opposition in the early season. You know, I'm, I don't know that there's a Ken Palm for women's basketball. So I, it, it's hard to know where these teams really stack up. But um, you have to love what you've seen from this team so far. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what this team can do going into Big 12 play because the players that have come in have seemingly found their roles and have been able to execute them at a really high level. And should TCU be able to get into Big 12 play where there have been a lot of struggles over the last several years, the program here could be in a position to do some very unprecedented things. And I know we talked uh, during our last episode about the commitment and the signing of Haley Cavender. That's an unprecedented commitment for this program. And even getting players like Madison Connor and Sedona Prince are also unprecedented moves for this program. So yeah, it's really exciting to see how this team continues to play moving forward. And one shout out, you know, I, I think uh, Reagan Pebley did uh, a great job leading into, uh, you know, this building this program from where it was to where it can be going forward. And, you know, it, one thing that was nice to see in this game, freshman Victoria Flores, who Pebley recruited and brought in, had a very nice game, four points, three assists, and and looked good out there playing with with this team full of like high level college basketball players so um you know i think that there is a bright future outside of yes the transfer portal guys that are ladies that uh mark campbell's brought in have been terrific but there is recruiting ground floor being built as well so i I think it's it's ready for us to sustain success going forward as a program no doubt Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We'll hit on one last TCU item here before we sign off this evening. TCU Volleyball was on the road this past week taking on the Houston Cougars, unfortunately getting swept 3-0, and th- this was a pretty tough loss for the Frogs. Houston is a very good program in the Big 12 and I believe top 50 in RPI, but we're getting to the very latter part of the season here with only two matches left. TCU will play against High Point and BYU this coming week. Those are also two teams that are very strong. And I'll probably have to correct myself because I've probably mentioned this on a past episode or maybe a couple past episodes. There is no conference tournament in volleyball. I thought there might be because there's one for soccer and you have them for basketball and for baseball, but you play the conference schedule during the regular season, and then that's it until the NCAA tournament comes around. So um, TCU being at 15 and 13 now, 8 and 9 in the Big 12 with only one conference match remaining and one tough non-conference match. I think it's looking pretty tough for TCU to make the NCAA tournament this year. The, The injury to Riley Buckley was pretty costly. She was playing at a very, very high level. Uh, earlier this year after transferring in from Missouri. Lily Nicholson, the freshman, has stepped in and done a really nice job, but uh, Riley Buckley for what she can bring, not just offensively, but also defensively, that's been a a tough loss. And, you know, Melanie Parra, the outside hitter, has been banged up at different points throughout the season. Audrey Knowles was a little bit banged up at the start of the year. So just things haven't quite materialized the way they maybe could have been had it not been for the injuries, but 
we'll, we'll see what happens if TCU can come out and, and beat High Point and beat BYU this week. Maybe they find a way to squeak in at 17 and 13, but otherwise it would be nice to hopefully see the team finish with a winning record this year, which would mean uh, back-to-back seasons with a winning record. And that's something that head coach Jason Williams and his staff can continue to build on as they look forward into 2024 and beyond. Yeah. TCU has to win these last two games to continue to be on the bubble. Even I think uh, TCU with an RPI at 43, you, you do have two pretty solid teams. I mean, BYU is, uh, a highly rated team, top 15 in RPI, but um, challenging contests that you have to win. So we'll we'll mm-hmm. see how that shakes out and if that is enough to propel them forward. But, <clears throat> you know, I think we talked about this maybe after we were recording last week, but it just goes to show how special last season was for TCU as an athletic department to, to have a soccer go to the sweet 16 again to have volleyball win a game in the tournament to have basketball win a game in the tournament to have football obviously do what it did uh baseball go to omaha and and everything else that happened around TCU in the 22-23 athletic season uh you know that those opportunities are not guaranteed you're not guaranteed to play in in these tournaments and it it is special to when a team makes that kind of a run. So, uh, you know, I think we all appreciated it in the moment, but I think we're appreciating it even more now when uh, those those coin flips and those wins are are a little bit harder to come by. Um, you know, just make sure to to relish the moment when when these programs do make these kind of runs. Um, and, and go into postseason opportunities because, uh, you're, you're never really guaranteed to come and see them again the next season. No question. And we will continue to cover all of the TCU athletic programs, not only here on the Frogs Up podcast, but also on our website, frogsaward.com. So be sure to continue following us there as well as on our Facebook and Twitter at Frogs of War, as we will get ready to wrap up our episode this evening, we appreciate all of you continuing to listen to us here on the Frogs Up TCU Sports Podcast. Again, charliehustle.com. Get your TCU swag. Use that promo code FROGSOWAR. Get 15% off all your TCU items. And the Onnit Athlete trading cards, again, are live. Be sure to check out our affiliate link posted not only to our Facebook and our Twitter, but also on our website, frogsoward.com. That will do it for our episode recording this evening. We will not have a midweek episode with Thanksgiving coming up. So we hope that everyone has a fantastic Thanksgiving. Be sure to eat plenty of turkey, plenty of mashed potatoes and dinner rolls and whatever else y'all got uh, coming for Thanksgiving and get your Black Friday shopping done. And we will be back next weekend to talk about the Oklahoma game. We'll have some more basketball to talk about and uh, potentially some other things. So. Again, we appreciate all the support. Um, We'll go ahead and sign off for the evening. I'm Russ Hodges. That is Anthony North, and we will sign off with the Frogs Up. Get your frogs up.